We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Week 8 DraftKings picks and preview by position. If you're ever looking for the cheat sheet, easy. You can find it up on DKNation.com on Friday afternoon, and it will stay there until Sunday. It's not just like it's there for a minute and then it's gone. No, it'll be there till Sunday. Not a problem with that. Play in the best tournament on DraftKings. We failed to fill the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League last week by 19 people. We need to rectify that or they're going to shrink it, which would be horrendous because it's a rake-free tournament. Basically, the only one, the largest one of its kind on DraftKings. So the link is in the description. Three max entry, $15 to play. And like I said, no rake. Do that now. Smash the like and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Sub to the newsletter as well for giveaways, more info, hot links to everything, uh, updated injury reports for the week that will always be updated uh, every day. And then before the games as well, once the actives and inactives are released. I guess they don't really release the inactives. They just release the actives. And if you're not on it, then you are inactive, I think. That's how that works. And if you want an optimizer, just go to runthesims.com slash mayo. Get yourself a discount right now. If you do the monthly, use code RTS. That will get you 25% off. So I highly recommend that you do that. Fun show today because I have not talked to Ricky Sanders of Elite Fantasy in some time. But little known fact, or maybe well-known fact, I don't know what it is, Ricky. But we used to work together for quite some time. Yeah, it's been way too long, to be quite honest with you, and, and I'm happy to be back on. And by the way, uh, where's been my Pat Mayo invite? I definitely uh, would like to get in on the rake-free action, so if you need help filling both me and uh, potentially 
the community that I'm involved in can help fill that one pretty easily. Yeah, you just hit the description of the video or podcast. The link is right there. It's there open go. to anyone who wants to click on the link. You try to search it, you will not find it. It is technically a private contest. It just has no rank. I don't see why people wouldn't play in it. Two reasons I wanted to have you on today is, one, we're talking about NFL DraftKings for the main slate, so obviously you can lend your expertise to that. But you, sir, have a brand new NFT project that is coming very soon. So it sounds pretty cool. It's football related. So tell the people what's going on. Yeah, I mean, this should definitely be applicable to the audience because I know I'm part of the audience and I was wondering where a product like this has been, where Dynasty Fantasy Football and the blockchain, like where have we been with that, people? Uh, we've gotten a bunch of other, you know, sports-related content, but that's what we figured out is we went ahead and made a project where uh, you can mint players, which just means simply buy them from a website and own them throughout the course of their entire career. So basically the way it's going to work um, is... There will be multiple contests per week with, you know, big money prizes. I mean, we're going to put a million dollars towards this prize pool. So there's quite a lot of money to be won from basically weeks 10 to week 17. And you will have the option for multiple contests. So how it's going to work is there will be multipliers associated with each player and, you know, uh, variations of each player. And we do not have name or likeness. So basically what you get is a generic avatar with statistics that correlate with a real NFL player. So for, for instance, Kansas City quarterback 15, um, we could figure out who that is. The avatar that you have will, you know, throughout the course of their career, have statistics linked to said player. So the fun thing about our project, which I don't think you're going to get a lot elsewhere, is the game theory aspect to it. Like, we're going to have people who come in and potentially just try and find the younger players and sit on them because the value of those guys can go up. We're going to have the people who come in and try and play our contests each week. And if you get first in any of our contests, you will then qualify for a week 17 um contest where you know it's a grand prize week where board ape 410 is the grand prize and for any of you who have been following nfts that's about $150,000 uh us value for that grand prize and just by simply minting two will put you in a contest week 17 you automatically qualify basically like a qualifier on DraftKings for a mutant ape which the us dollar is around 25,000 so we're going to reward people just for you know buying two of them and giving us a shot and I know a bunch of people have been NFT curious, but they haven't been able to kind of relate to, you know, the pictures of the, the different zoo animals throughout the course of Twitter. Well, if you look at the, you know, my profile picture or the art from this project, part of the reason that we've taken till, you know, about week nine or 10 to get going is because the art is amazing. I mean, they basically look like uh, if the Halo guy played football with every little detail. So I think, you know, people who've been looking for how do I get an NFT for a profile picture, they'll be able to relate to the football player as well. And then in the off season, we'll be running some simulations. We just acquired some technology to do that. So it's not like your NFT would lose value. So it's basically gamified dynasty football. You'll have the ability to trade. If your player retires, we have a solution for that. You'll be able to basically burn the token and get a free rookie the following season. If your player gets injured, we have a waiver wire, a liquidity pool for anyone who's familiar with the term where you could kind of throw him in a waiver wire and get a token. And then if you see a better player on waivers you can kind of take your chances trade that token back in and get a different player so it really is going to be roster management wise like a dynasty fantasy football league 
just with a whole lot else going on, including some big money prizes on a weekly basis, a big grand prize, and just a great community to hang out in. I like it. If you want to know more about this, follow Ricky on Twitter at rsandersdfs, and he can really explain all of that to you much better than I can. And if you need more questions, <laughs> if you have more questions about it, I think Ricky has some answers. Also, if you are NFT curious, check out NFTs Live on Mayo Media Network every Monday, every Friday at noon Eastern Time or eleven, yeah, noon Eastern Time. Tower and Sky talking through the questions of the day, and there's a live chat where if you have any sort of question whatsoever, just put it in the chat. They'll answer it for you. So that makes things very easy. I myself. Oh, right. oh, by the way. Yes. Oh, by the way, we'll, I'll be there Monday. And Ricky will be on the show Monday. So if you have more questions for <laughs> Ricky, tune into NFTs Live on Mayo Media Network, noon Eastern on Monday. Just ask him questions in the chat. We'll be good to go. I want to talk DraftKings picks for the main slate for week eight. And I actually want to start with stacks this week. I've been trying to reverse engineer this. And I feel like we always don't spend enough time on stacks at the beginning, because I feel like that's really the first thing that we have to do, isn't it? When we're creating our lives, like we'll find the one-offs at a later time, but if we we can't figure out what stacks that we want to go with, then I feel like it's kind of a fool's errand, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's always how I do it because you could love a running back. You could love a Derrick Henry, and then you end up using a stack of Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Good Godwin, and you're like, yeah, how the hell am I going to fit Derrick Henry? So I, I agree. I think you need to kind of establish the basis of any lineup. And I mean, every week I have the internal struggle of, am I using a run back in my lineup or am I using my favorite running back? And to me, I usually lean correlation. Um, I'm going to you know, basically sell that throughout the course of this whole show is you need correlation. And in my opinion, you need running backs that get the football quite often. And besides that, I mean, then, then it's easy. Well, we do have some running backs this week at pretty good prices that I think we could play as a one-off if we wanted to, if that's the way that that game script ends up going. But if you're just looking at overall stacks right now, Antonio Brown was spotted on crutches. So I don't know if he's going to play or not for the Buccaneers, but it looks like Gronk could be back in this game. And I was kind of analyzing the Saints defense. The Saints defense is very good, but if you just look at the quality of quarterback that they've played so far this season, it is not very good. They've played, it's essentially like what happened with Washington towards the second half of last year, where when you actually went back and looked at the quarterbacks that they squared off against, against with this great defense, they were just trash quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that the Saints defense is bad. I'm saying it's pretty untested against a very high quality opponent so far. I think that people will look at the Saints and maybe veer away from the Buccaneers stack this week, especially after the Saints beat them twice in the regular season last week. I'm not saying that's wrong to not use a Brady stack, but Frankly, I think that every week that I've won money so far on DraftKings this year has been Brady, Godwin. Well, actually, when Brown plays, <laughs> it's Brown with Evans. But it's just a Brady stack of some sort. Should we be going back to that again this week? Because it just seems like no one ever wants to play it. Yeah, this week to me seems extremely obvious because when you don't want to play it, I mean, like last week, um, the Bears without Akeem Hicks, all of a sudden it looks like Leonard Fournette has a clear path up the middle. Like maybe they're going to run the football more. But no, I mean, this team is number two in pass play percentage facing in New Orleans defense that you're right. They haven't really played a ton of people and still 61% pass play percentage against them. So to me, this is just going to be a Tampa Bay offense for most of the day funnels to the pass. We get like you mentioned, Rob Gronkowski back. So just another weapon in the in the passing defense or in the passing offense. And this Saints team, you know, 
the top two defense in terms of DVOA against the run. So I think from a play calling perspective, Brady is going to be throwing a lot and he's failed to throw less than four touchdowns in just three games this year. He's posted a quarterback rating of 97 above and all but one. And that was the game against his old coach, you know, uh, someone who knows him quite well in Bill Belichick. And I'm just not concerned with that being the case. We still know that, you know, playing in the Superdome is, I don't want to call it the poorest field of the NFL, but it is definitely one of the best hitting environments. Uh, if we were comparing it to baseball of the NFL and in a game where I think that this Tampa Bay team could push 70% pass play percentage, Brady to his receivers is just an absolute no brainer to me. I think Chris Godwin is, is the guy that I would prefer, but if we're getting a Brady ceiling game, we've seen a ton of those four plus touchdown games already Clearly, in order for him to get there, there's going to be multiple guys finding the end zone. And, you know, if he has a massive yardage day, there's going to be multiple guys over 100 yards. So Godwin would be my top priority. But that doesn't mean that's where you stop with their receipt with their pass catchers in general it's true if brown isn't playing then i mean i like last week i just rolled out godwin evans and brady and then i didn't even bring anyone back on the Bears side because i just and it turned out that was the move because who the hell are you gonna bring back i guess khalil herbert would have been the play <laughs> but i was like yeah oh, come on man uh tampa bay's run defense here i don't think they're gonna do too much then herbert becomes the first guy to rush for 100 yards against them in ages so the brady stack <laughs> looks pretty good like then you have all these like quote unquote like well, huge spread games. It's not quote unquote huge spread games. They are huge spread games, but like potential blowout games. Like you have the Bills against the Dolphins. You have the Rams. Uh, who are the Rams playing this week? The Rams are playing in Houston this week. And then you have the Bengals on the road against the Jets. Like how would you stack up the quarterbacks from that game and just go, hey, you know, every single week, if you just played Stafford and Cooper Cup, you're probably doing pretty good. Or those more games to attack the running situations in because i it's kind of tricky to me well definitely with the rams i would be playing cooper cup the the good thing about you know taking the shot with the quarterbacks there is the way cooper cup has been playing it gives you the the option to get exposure to the potential outlier wide receiver of the week and one thing i've learned um, throughout the years of playing DraftKings is if you have exposure to the outlier receiver, you don't necessarily have to have the highest scoring quarterback. In other words, you know, weeks that Devontae Adams goes for 40 fantasy points, you could probably get away with a 24 point Aaron Rodgers if you fill out the rest of your roster because you had that receiver. And I think Cooper Cup, once again, has a chance to be sort of an outlier play. Houston, fifth worst in terms of explosive pass pay, play rate with 27 allowed already. And we know that Cooper Cup is your NFL leader in explosive pass plays. Uh, he's got 19 over 20 yards already. So a guy who should get open downfield. And we've kind of seen Stafford in these games as a big favorite still throw plenty. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's been a massive favorite in back-to-back weeks, thrown for seven touchdowns, top 26 DK fantasy points each week. We're talking about uh, matchups against the Giants and Lions. And again, this should be another, uh, another just monster game from him, I think. Even if Daryl Henderson happens to find the end, end zone once, I mean, you look at his outlier, like poor games, even one of them, he threw for 365 yards. He just didn't happen to have the touchdown luck. So even as massive favorites, I think we have to consider these quarterbacks. And I mean, 
Joe Burrow is another guy against this Jets team. Uh, last week when they were up, they were throwing, throwing, throwing. Jets have allowed the ninth highest passer rating, fourth worst in explosive pass rate. And you know they have a guy who might lead the league in, in yardage, who is one of the most explosive guys and is giving Cooper Cup a, a run for his money as you know the most explosive receiver in the NFL. So I definitely think that Jamar Chase uh, gets behind this defense. Actually, before you know, I came on and I was doing research last night, I was looking for the longest reception from Jamar Chase when that got posted because I thought the number was going to go up and, and it hasn't been posted yet, but that's a number that I'm going to be looking for. What number do you think would be a good number for that to hit the over on? Uh, I think we see a 40-yard reception in this game, so I'm – I'm looking for numbers in the 30s, but we'll see where we open here. All right, so let's talk Rams in. So you go Stafford, you go Cup. That's probably good enough from that side. You can get tricky to save some money with Van Jefferson if you wanted to. Maybe take the contrarian play of either Higby or Woods. Do you bring it back with anyone on the Houston side? Because now that Mark Ingram is traded, a lot of people are now big-upping David Johnson, but... For me, it feels like Philip Lindsay would be the guy, although I don't know if I want anyone on the Texans. Like, do you really want to play Brennan Cooks, potentially going one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey here, or is it just good? En- that That's what gets me away from the Rams stack in particular. I think you're right. Just play Cooper Cup and move on to a different game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we're not going to get the competitive game environment, and this is just a game, which we actually have seen a bunch of, by the way, uh, of just a team, you know, being up 20 points and continuing to throw because that's their bread and butter. I think that's the potential that this game has, as opposed to, you know, the Texans making a late run. I'd, I'd probably just rather stick with the Rams. So with the Bengals side of things, you could go chase with Burrow. Maybe it feels like CJ Uzma is probably a trap this week coming off of two touchdown game where he's yeah. expected to be pretty popular. So maybe you go back to T Higgins who had a bunch of unrealized air yards a week ago. If you want to triple stack that up, is there anyone on the jets you would feel comfortable bringing it back with? Cause the run defense is pretty good, but if you get no Ty Johnson and no Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, all of a sudden, especially with magic Mike, under center who just loves checking the ball down might actually be the guy to run it back with. And hopefully you've, you know, backdoor into eight, nine catches, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think Corey Davis is the number one receiver, but I agree with you. I mean, this jets team, they're kind of insane to be honest with you. I mean, they've gone with a 64% pass play so far this year, Mike white steps in, you know, after an injured Zach Wilson throws the ball 32 times, I guess when you're behind, you got to do what you got to do. And I think that's going to be the case. Once again, Michael Carter under 5k, not really my sort of back because I'd like to, you know, have someone uh, that I can feel good about a larger percentage of the snaps. But I do think that this team is going to continue to throw. You are correct that, you know, the underneath throws are where he is going. So I think Corey Davis is probably the guy I would run back just because we've seen him with the volume before. But Michael Carter under 5K in Bengals-specific builds would actually be something I'd consider. That would be the only way that I think that I would get to Michael Carter here because if you wanted to punt at running back, which is never really advised, I think that there are better options. But I do think that if Johnson and... Tevin Coleman are both out and Tevin Coleman is not yet practicing this week. No word yet on Ty Johnson that it could just be his backfield. He could see like an 85% snap share, which exactly it might not result in a ton of yardage, but it's probably all the goal line work if they ever find themselves down by the goal line. And just basically it's an enhanced JD McKissick is what you would be looking at from Michael Carter if he's the only guy back there. 
Yeah, exactly. And if you do get both guys out, now we are talking about the kind of back that I would play because I don't like to play the guys that have like nine touches because then your your opponents have someone like, you know, Derrick Henry touching the ball 30 times and there's just a lot more volume for, for that to happen. You kind of have to run pure in the sense of like a James White, you know, right by the, the, the red zone. He gets both the touchdown receptions to kind of have a, to even compete, honestly, like even there, you might not have enough fantasy points just from those few receptions to get you to, you know, tournament winning levels. And, but if we're starting to talk about, you know, Michael Carter approaching, you know, 20 touches with six targets, now we're talking about a player who at 4,900 is a great per dollar value and has the sort of volume uh, where he could break one and then keep going. So people always look at it like, what if the guy breaks a long one run? Sure. This guy gets five opportunities. He scores a 60 yard touchdown. That's nice. You, you'll feel good about making that decision. But is he going to compete with those weeks that Jonathan Taylor has 180 and two touchdowns? Derrick Henry has 203 touchdowns. Uh, You know, just the weeks that Alvin Kamara has like the 10 targets, you're not. And and that's why I usually just decide to play the volatility at receiver. One of the trickier things is if you're going to take one of these expensive stacks is who do you play at running back? And I think that everyone's going to congregate. And we'll talk about this more in depth when we get to running backs. Like Daryl Henderson, you just look at the price, be like, oh, they're giant favorites against the Texans who can't stop the run. Probably take him at 6500 bucks. Just kind of write him in. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to end up doing this week. But when we scan down, if we want a cheap stack, and maybe this is like the optimizer lying to me and the projections lying to me, but I think that if you reverse engineer it, it makes a lot of logical sense if you can find the right pieces to go with it. But Teddy Bridgewater, at his price, just against Washington, Washington is so bad against the pass that $5,400, like Judy's coming back. I think Judy's the type of player that I'd like to be a week early on rather than be a week late on. And I think it's going to depress his value, depress his ownership at the very least this week. So you can play him with Judy. You can play him with Sutton. You could use Fant if you wanted to at the same time. I think you could pick two of those guys, pair him up with Teddy. Then all of a sudden you have all of the salary cap remaining to do whatever you want in your lineup. Yeah, and I actually think that's a great leverage play this week because I think anyone who is deciding like a what punt defense to use, Washington just makes a lot of other things work at 2100. And they're allowing, you know, they're the only defense allowing over 300 yards passing per game. So it's not like they've been great. Bridgewater has been sacked multiple times every time this season. So like from that perspective, I certainly understand the Washington defense, but I think what this offense has been missing is Teddy Bridgewater's specialty, which is throwing those slants, throwing those short routes. And the guy who could really do that best of of anyone on this team has been Jerry Judy, who they've been missing. So I think adding him back to this offense is actually going to make Teddy a lot more comfortable and you have other alternatives uh, who are not that much more expensive at defense, who I actually think are pretty good plays in their own right. So I think you get the leverage there. And you also are, you know, then uh, basically taking a quarterback with his whole crew ready to go this week, which which is a big deal. I know Noah Fant was kind of taking that role. He was being heavily targeted. But I think Jerry Judy's skill set just correlates with him. He's kind of his DJ Moore, which he had uh, when he was with Carolina. And I think that's the kind of receiver he needs. Yeah, only $4,900 this week. Cortland Sutton's only 64 even if you want to leave Sutton on the wayside and use Fant and Judy together. Hopefully Judy can work the ball down the field and then Fant ends up catching some touchdowns. It's a very, very cheap stack that you 
can go with. And this doesn't mean that I don't like the Washington defense. I think people always get it confused that, oh, if one team's going to go off, you can't play the other defense. Well, I mean, Washington at $2,100, what do they really need to do? They could fluke their way into a pick six touchdown. Great. That's fantastic news. Just put Teddy back on the field with more passing opportunities because now he needs to go catch up. It's not that big of a deal to me. Uh, And we do know that their pressure rate is still top five in the league. Uh, It's just that their secondary is so horrendous that you can just kind of throw an arc up into the air, then someone will just go run underneath of it. Then, I mean, McLaurin's dealing with this injury right now. Brown is probably going to be out. Uh, Curtis Samuel's probably going to be out. If you didn't want to use Fant, bringing it back with Ricky Seals-Jones or even J.D. McKissick at this point with a banged-up Antonio Gibson could be the other part of that stack. Or just play, if you wanted to save the money, Denver does seem like a team, uh, to me at least, that you know, it's not the highest, uh, highest percentage play, but it's going to be very low owned. And I do see a path to upside for them. Let's talk one off running backs. Now, Derrick Henry is the most expensive running back on the board this week, as you know, he probably should be every week. It's only $200 more than Elvin Kamara, who projects out really well. Like I mentioned before, Mark Ingram was just traded to the New Orleans Saints this week from Houston. He will not accrue fantasy points, Mark Ingram, this week. And I don't know if he really takes away that much from Kamara, but... We'll see. So it's Henry and Kamara. They're above 8,000. They're at 89.87. Then you have Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. Those are your 7K running backs. Then you got Mixon, Chubb, James Robinson, Daryl Henderson at $6,500. Then into Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson, Damian Harris, and Chuba Hubbard. Where do you think that you would be going with your running backs here? Because I really gave a good look at James Rob, like James Robinson and Daryl Henderson, $6,600, $6,500. That feels like the cash game play. Can I run that out in tournaments too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, James Robinson, finally, for whatever reason, I don't know what he did to Urban Meyer earlier in the season, but he just did not trust him at all. I mean, Urban Meyer was kind of treating him like the ex-girlfriend or maybe like the upcoming girlfriend, but he had heard rumors about him. And for whatever reason, it took him like a month to be like, okay, I think I can finally put my trust in you. I can commit to you now. And since that time, James Robinson has been absolutely fantastic. You look at this, you know, Seattle defense, kind of middle of the road, nothing more than 11th in in rushing DVOA. I certainly think that's a strong play. Um, I have some option stack options that we didn't even talk about that I think are a little bit more reasonably priced, which get me to um, the running backs where I want to be. And I think, you know, some of the options where where I want to be Daryl Henderson, by the way, is one of them. I mean, as a big favorite um, we've seen him, you know, uh, work into the passing game along with the running game. He had that two touchdown game a few weeks ago. I mean, I do think this offense is pretty pass centric, but you know that, you know, the big totals correlate with the back, but Deandre Swift continues to be someone who really interests me. And I think this week specifically against this Eagles team, it's impossible to look at him and not think that this guy has just a monster, monster floor. Uh, You look at against this Eagles team, which is by the way, a 29th ranked DVOA defense Uh, running backs the last two weeks. They've caught 19 of 20 targets against this team. And DeAndre Swift has been insanely active in this passing game. He caught 10 of of 14 targets for 96 yards in a score last week. And now, again, this defense has not done a great job uh, of defending backs in the passing game. So really, 
I think he could be Camara light just in the passing game. And that's before we even talk about the rushing potential against an Eagles defense that just hasn't been able to stop anyone. There was a few weeks span when they were allowing 40 points a game. Do I think that's the, that's the likely scenario this week, you know, with a Lions team that has 22 implied points? No, but DeAndre Swift has been surprising in games where they've been kind of big underdogs, you know, coming through in a big way last week looked really good against the defense. And I'm not sure a lot of people uh, thought he had a chance to succeed against. And this week he definitely has a chance to succeed against Philly. And I would be shocked if we don't get at least five, six catches from Swift. I think that entire range from Swift down to Fournette is where I want to live this week. If I can't, like, listen, yep. Derek, Derek Henry is $8,900. Although the Colts do have a pretty good run defense. If you wanted to play some leverage in that game, it's probably use Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and bring it back with Jonathan Taylor. And hopefully Derek Henry doesn't score three touchdowns is, is what you're praying for. A lot like what happened last week against a Chiefs defense who have the worst run defense in football. So maybe uh, you know, that correlation didn't end up happening and he ended up throwing for the touchdown but if he just has simply a bad game uh i'd be curious to know where his ownership will come in this week because there does seem to be a lot of high-end quote-unquote value running backs this week that we've just already kind of run through like i think that mixon is in a fantastic spot with all the attention on burrow and jamar chase I mean, the Jets can't stop anyone on the ground. I mean, they can't stop anyone in general, but this does seem like a Joe Mixon get right spot game unless they really want to start padding Burrow's stats in the situation that he's going to go pretty unknown. Nick Chubb coming back from injury. I mean, you can run on the Steelers. Nick Chubb can run on anyone and the Browns can run on anyone. Jack Conklin looks like he's going to be back this week too. Now, Baker might be playing quarterback, which is probably a detriment while he is injured, but I very much doubt that people are going to play Nick Chubb this week. Do you? Yeah, I, I am, I'm exactly the same ballpark. And, you know, what I always tell subs is I would much rather play a good player in a bad matchup at the running back position than go down to play the bad players. And Nick Chubb certainly fits the bill. And you look at the Steelers defense, the last few weeks, they've allowed exactly 5.6 yards per carry back to back, but only over 95 yards uh, to backs twice all year. So like they haven't allowed a ton of yardage, but this is, you know, one of the best, if not the best rushing offense in the entire league. And Nick Chubb, I mean, I believe last year against this Steelers team, similarly tough matchup, comes through, scores multiple times. So uh, I think I would much rather be playing these guys who have a tough go of it because they're good players. And what have we been waiting for with Nick Chubb is for him to get basically all the snaps. He's a guy who I think it was three straight seasons graded as pro football focuses, number one rusher. So this is an extremely talented back. I know it's not the, the, the world's greatest game environment, but clearly the team doesn't want to, you know, put their, their hopes and dreams on a case Keenum. So anything they can do to get Nick Chubb, the football, assuming he's healthy, I believe they're going to do it. They're the favorites here should be playing from ahead. I think, you know, the competitive nature should lead to him getting 20 plus carries. And anytime Nick Chubb gets 20 plus carries, and maybe we can even project, he works a little bit more into the passing game. He's someone we're going to want to consider. And like, why play Derrick Henry against a defense that actually did a great job shutting him down to the top rushing DVOA defense for, you know, more expensive when you've got Nick Chubb under 7k, basically the same play in my opinion. Damian Harris is $6,100. A lot's been written about him. He's been talked about a lot, and we know how bad that the Chargers run defense is. I think a lot of people are going to go to him this week, but he's still only averaging a catch and a half per game. It doesn't feel like he has that big 
play upside like someone like Nick Chubb does. He feels, I don't know if he's properly priced or overpriced, but it feels like he's just too pricey for me this week. If I was not going to take like those for sure guys are going to get right around 20 touches with the touchdown upside. The touchdown upside is there for Damian Harris, but if they fall behind in this game, it feels like he could just be written out. Yeah, exactly. He could for sure be written out. And like last week, it's not like he was the only one in this backfield to perform. You could have won tournaments last week by playing every single active Patriots back and going from there, which is a strange phenomenon but it kind of worries me that, that there was enough of, of a workload uh, for, for the others to, to get there. I mean, we saw Brandon Bolden catch six of seven passes. He scored. Um, we saw J.J. Taylor find the end zone twice in his touches. So I'm concerned here. I'd much rather would go in different spots if I'm paying 6000 Like, I get the Damian Harris for cheaper, but now that he's in the same price point, as these other backs, even in a matchup against a rushing defense that is pretty terrible, I still feel like I probably need two touchdowns from him. And given the way the other backs performed at just Belichick's history, this one feels like a trap. If you just talk about the 90th percentile outcome, not the 100th percentile outcome, because that's going to be like five touchdowns or something crazy like that, but like realistic ceiling for all these players in the $6,000 range. His ceiling is going to be by far the lowest. I'm just looking at it right now. Damian Harris, 24 yep. points as a 90th percentile outcome. Like that's where he's going to be most of the time. Everyone else in the $6,000 range has an above 30 uh, 90th percentile outcome just based on their overall touches, their passing game work and touchdown expectancy, uh, regardless of matchup. So I just think that you're doing yourself a disservice at $6,100. Like you said, if he was $5,200, I think that's a completely different conversation. But now we have to compare him to these legit full-time workhorse backs which he is not for one thing and he can run as many routes as he wants he's averaging a catch and a half a game he hasn't had more than two in any one game like if they were going to throw to him you think that they would probably have figured that out by now and they haven't done it so if we're going to pay down at running back I mean there is always a chance Nick Chubb doesn't play and then Dearness Johnson is just 5400 bucks we saw what happened last week I do think that Chubb is going to play but that's not like for sure as we're talking about it right now and then kind of scrolling down a little bit more like you just talked about that Bears defense and how you can kind of run on them at the moment. Elijah Mitchell's getting all the work in the 49ers backfield. He's only $5,400. Khalil Herbert, even with Damian Williams back in that same game, got all the work. He's $5,400. Then you can keep scrolling down. Do you want to say, you know what? I think that Zach Moss, you know, maybe he was a bit banged up going into the bye. That's why they were using Devin Singletary. This is a great matchup to run all over the Miami Dolphins. Like you talk about touchdown upside him in this game could potentially be that we talked Michael Carter already. If Coleman and Ty Johnson sit, I think the eyes are just going to go towards Kenneth Gainwell at $5,000. And if anyone feels like a trap, it feels like him. (laughs) Yeah, certainly he's active in the passing game, but I'm not sure if that's going to be ultra necessary here against the Lions defense that can't cover anyone downfield. And they have the perfect receivers to to beat these corners. I mean, Devonte Smith known for his speed. Jalen Rager has been making some ridiculous catches and honestly, non catches ones that were ruled, not catches down the field, basically all season long. So I do think we're going to see Jalen hurts, try and stretch the field. Lamar Jackson ran for 58 yards against this defense. I think you see that sort of game plan from Jalen hurts as well. And so, and by the way, Boston Scott is going to be working into this game as well. I mean, you look at the, 
the snap counts from last week. Boston Scott, 33.3% to Kenneth Gainwell, 50.7%. So it was close to 50-50. And yeah, I mean, I, I think Gainwell is the better player, but that doesn't mean that that's how they're going to scheme this one. And Jalen Hurts, uh, I think long touchdowns and just like Devontae Smith and or Jalen Rager, 100-plus yard day is well within the range of outcomes as long as Jalen Hurts doesn't continue to overthrow any open receiver, which has just been brutal again last week. But the crazy thing about Jalen Hurts is, you know, you could be watching him in the first half and be like, why did I play Jalen Hurts? By the end of the game, you've been happy all season long. These guys have got under 21 fantasy points in any game, despite how poorly you've seen him look. So as long as he's continuing to start, he's the fantasy monster. And I prefer, not that Kenneth Gainwell can't catch another touchdown, because he certainly can, but I prefer going with Jalen Hurts and a receiver this week. So yeah, when you're talking about some of these cheap backs, um, one guy who I actually have a feeling about, you know, I want to speculate with is that there's Rashad Penny because Alex Collins is just a fall forward guy at this point. So I think if they keep seeing that at some point, they're going to have to give Rashad Penny an extended look. I'm not sure it's going to come this week, but if you were feeling lucky, I think that would be a direction to go. And I just wanted to caution people on Elijah Mitchell that Sure, Khalil Max out, Robert Quinn has COVID, but Akeem Hicks is expected to return this week, and he was the big reason um, for the Bears kind of having an issue last week in the run game. I think their pass rush this week is going to have issues. I think Debo Samuel is a guy we're going to have to talk about, and Brandon Ayuk was a guy who the coaching staff called out. I think the receivers should have plenty of time to get open this week, but you still have the big man in the middle of the defense. Is Elijah Mitchell still worth a shot? Sure. It just got a little bit more difficult with the Bears, you know, best defensive tackle active. So Gainwell, fade for me. Boston Scott, potentially a play at $4,400 if you need it. And I throw out the name David Johnson a little bit earlier. Do you think you could use Philip Lindsay at $4,000 against the Rams now that Ingram is out of town? I would expect him to touch the ball more than David Johnson. Like, if they weren't giving the ball to David Johnson anyway, are they going to start giving it to him now? That doesn't seem sensible. Right. Yeah. It's just a matter of like the poor game flow you get. And I know that coaches previously have had a concern with Lindsay's hands, but I still think if I'm playing one of these backs, I can't, I can't talk myself into David Johnson. There's just not a lot there. Talk about guys who are just fall forward at this point in their career. Uh, Philip Lindsay's definitely the more exciting back. He's the faster back. He's the upside back. So yeah, if I were playing one of these guys, I would want the guy with the 20 fantasy point ceiling, and I just don't know how David Johnson gets me there. Look, I'd rather be caught dead than wear my favorite pair of sweatpants outside of the house. Issue is, I got two kids. Sometimes, you know, stuff gets dirty like my regular pants, and if I'm just lounging around in my sweatpants and I need to go outside to go get anything. I just don't want to be judged when I go outside for wearing sweatpants. I know how I judge people when I see them just wearing the worst sweatpants. I'm like, man, that person has given up on life, essentially. So all I really did was go to Public Rec. That's why you got to check out Public Rec, because they make elevated athleisure wear in multi-dimensional sizes, because they believe that comfort starts with a better fit, and it looks way better. Their best-selling all-day, everyday pant is available in over 40 different sizing combinations and can fit men anywhere from 5'8 to nearly 7 feet tall. And the better fit is the secret to making these comfortable pants actually look good. You don't look like a slob when you're outside. So now your favorite home lounge pants can also be your go-tos for work or happy hour or the gym. I went out on Friday night with my 
public rec pants to the bar. People just thought that I was wearing slacks, but I wasn't. I was wearing comfortable sweatpants. It was excellent. After a year at home, they are the pants you need now rather than the pants that you need at any other time. So go to public rec and check these out. They spent years engineering the perfect blend of softness, stretch, and durability. It's all performance benefits you love with the added style of more formal occasions. They also have zipper pockets, so no more having your phone or wallet fall out when you sit down. They come in nine different colors, one for each day of the week and more. And Public Rec also makes elevated shorts, t-shirts, polos, jackets, even golf gear, which I'm sure viewers and listeners of this show will most definitely appreciate. They just launched their women's line, so now anyone listening can enjoy Public Rec's better-fitting comfort. I've never had pants fit this well, and now I don't feel so sloppy. Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now they have an exclusive offer just for the Pat Mayo Experience listeners. Go to publicrec.com and use promo code MAYO to receive 10% off. That's publicrec.com and use our promo code MAYO for 10% off. Wide receivers, especially one-offs at the moment. You talked about Debo. He's $7,400. He's not practicing with a calf injury. Uh, seems like something that could have a re-aggravation even if he does play. Terry McLaurin also not currently practicing with a hamstring injury. Not quite sure what his status is going to be come Wednesday. We've talked about Cooper Cup already. Would you rather play Cooper Cup or Derrick Henry this week if that's the expensive guy you're paying up for? Cooper Cup. Okay. After that, of the expense of running back, $7,000 and up, we talked about the plays that you could have within a stack, but as one-off players in your lineup looking for an outlier game, which one would you go to, or would you just completely avoid this region outside of Cooper Cup? You're talking about the the high-end guys? Yeah. I like a bunch of the high-end receivers this week. I think Stefan Diggs in a game where they have 32 implied points. I like all those receivers. So maybe he's not my favorite of the bunch because I do like Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. I think Jamar Chase is my favorite of this bunch. As I mentioned, he should be open downfield basically all day long. He's tied for second in the league with 13 receptions of 20 plus yards. Jets fourth in explosive pass play rate, 12% of pass plays against them are of the explosive uh, variety. Only the Jaguars, Lions, and Dolphins are ahead of them. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be one of those games for Joe Burrow where I think he's got him. Jamar Chase has quickly turned into a wide receiver one. He would be my preference of the bunch, but don't sleep on DJ Moore against this Falcons team. Atlanta 29th in DVOA against the short passes. And how does DJ Moore get you some upside? Well, sure, he can get behind the defense, but those slant and goes with him just being the fastest player. This Atlanta defense has issues with tackling as well. Uh, I think this is potentially the perfect matchup for him. And I think, honestly, he may be able to get open downfield as well just because Sam Darnold is getting all kinds of sacked recently. But this Atlanta team has one of the worst pass rushes in the league. So I wonder if this is finally clean pocket week for Sam Darnold for him to kind of step back up. And, I mean, some of his uh, bad weeks recently has not been completely his fault. There have been games where receivers have not been hanging on to the ball. You know, that Robbie Anderson game where he couldn't catch, then catches the game-tying touchdown to kind of – rectify that day didn't help for fantasy purposes because so many points had already been dropped off the table but I I think this is a game where Darnold and DJ Moore can bounce back in a big way just because he's not going to be under constant siege 
if if you go below seven thousand dollars and you want to play some value wide receivers this week, uh, you mentioned DJ Morey seventy two hundred dollars. We dropped down a little bit more. Is like why wouldn't you just play AJ Brown instead of DJ Moore if it was going to be a one off? So there's the Julio Jones aspect, which I actually think if I'm playing Tannehill this week, I'm assuming it's another week where Derrick Henry, they're, they're doing the play action thing on the goal line. They're finding one of their big receivers and Tannehill seemingly every year has those games where they just don't want to focus on Derrick Henry. I don't know why one of those games wouldn't be against the Colts this year, given the strength of their rushing defense. And, you know, they, they pounded Derrick Henry all day long in that first game. Sure. He grinded his way to a hundred yards, but it was a tough path to there. So I think there's, you know, potential for both the receivers to get there. Uh, I know AJ Brown's still a little bit banged up, but honestly, my favorite receiver in this area is someone with a low total, which feels weird, but Deontay Johnson, I think this is a pretty good week for him uh, and really the Steelers receivers in general, but he continues to play 90 plus percent of the snaps. He's led the team easily with a 28.6% target market share. The Browns have allowed four scores to wide receivers, you know, two for the chargers or sorry, uh, six scores to receivers, two for the Chargers, four for Arizona in a two-week span uh, prior to, to holding, uh, you know, receivers to nine receptions on 14 yards for 99, uh, for 99 yards last week. Cleveland is 31st in DVOA versus deep passes as well. And I think Ben has been pretty much waiting for to have one of those games where he could just feed Deontay Johnson. And I think this is the perfect sort of game environment for that. They're going to be playing from behind it's a grinded out game. There's not a ton of project production to be had, but if you have the guts to kind of try and pick and choose, I think Najee Harris will be someone people are interested in, but I think the wide receiver one shows it a big way. Like receivers have been doing against this Cleveland team. I don't think it's a great passing defense, even though I do respect, you know, the front seven um, I'm willing to go to Deontay at 6,700. Interesting. Do you have any feel for the Seahawks receivers? Cause it's been a bloodbath with Geno Smith the last two weeks, but frankly, it, not that Gino's good, but and I don't want to give him a complete pass, but he came in to face the Rams defense, and then he faced the Steelers right. defense, and then he faced the Saints defense. The Jags D ain't that. <laughs> no, it is not. It is one of the worst passing defenses in the league. The problem with Gino is another guy like Justin Fields who holds on to the ball an aggravatingly long period of time, but maybe this week that pays off because you could get downfield against this Jacksonville team. He's been sacked five times in back-to-back games, but hopefully, you know, him willing to take that beating will be long enough for someone like Tyler Lockett to get downfield. DK Metcalf feels painfully underpriced. And yet I think if he has time, Tyler Lockett at 6,100 is a going to be the guy who is definitely uh, less popular of the two, but be potentially the guy who will benefit from Geno Smith not taking all those sacks just because this Jacksonville defense, I don't know if they have it in them. If you were just looking at straight value on the wide receiver slate, either a way to save money or someone in the mid-tier, um, where do you think would be the best way to go with that? Because we mentioned the Eagles stack, you mentioned Rager, but I looked at last week's air yards for the Eagles. Now, obviously, Devonta Smith, who's in the mid-fives, uh, ends up checking out really highly, 105 air yards a week ago. Rager only had 19. Now, he gets, like, interfered with down the field all the time. That's, like, their main play. But Quez Watkins sneakily, 84 air yards a week ago that if you're going to take advantage of this lion's defense, maybe he's the third guy to throw in that stack at 4,000 bucks or just play independently and hope this is the week that he finally hits. Yeah, I'm definitely willing to, to play both those guys. 
uh, 4K, 4100, I'm sure I will be needing that price point quite often. And you want to, again, play those downfield guys. Quez Watkins, a speedy receiver. I have no qualms going that route. Another guy I kind of like in that same pricing tier is Russell Gage. Um, I He quietly scored last week, first of all. Second of all, Stephon Gilmore is probably going to be activated before the end of this weekend. I think he's going to get the Calvin Ridley duty, which means that, you know, uh, targets are going to have to funnel elsewhere. Certainly Kyle Pitts is in play when we get there, but I think some of those targets funneled to, to Russell Gage as well, who caught four of six for 67 yards in a score last week. And I just don't think that's a name that people are going to go to when uh, you've got plenty of value elsewhere. And for some reason, like he keeps popping off my model and I kind of want to trust it. I could potentially see that. The one I am most intrigued by, because now people will just want to play Jonathan Taylor as a bringback, if T.Y. Hilton sits again for the Colts, Michael Pittman feels like stealing at 5300 bucks. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the targets uh, came down with T.Y. Hilton, and yet uh, it didn't matter. Caught four or four targets for 105 and a score. I believe in this matchup earlier this year, he was targeted massively. He had 12 targets in that game, caught six of them for 68. But if we can kind of rack him up, you know, or put double digit targets on the board once again at 5,300 on a per dollar basis, it is incredibly difficult to argue with going that route. I agree with you. If TY sits, Michael Pittman has got to be, I mean, I was kind of looking in the 4K tier, but if you're stepping up a tier and you can afford Michael Pittman, I mean, this is a guy that I believe you should be overweight on for sure. If you go into the threes, would you would you go into the threes? I guess that's one part. Number two, why would it be Jamal Agnew, the target monster, if you wanted to use him? <laughs> um, going into the threes is probably something you are going to have to do if you are want to stack like a Brady Godwin Evans or a Stafford Cup and potentially another uh, expensive back or two. Yeah, he has been a target monster. There's no question. We're talking 14 targets the past few weeks. A Seahawks defense that can be beat via the air. I think he's as good as any. I mean, once you start getting to the 3K receivers, I mean, the the analysis becomes, are the targets there? Does he have any upside? And then shoulder shrug, I think, is the third part of that process. (laughs) And I've reached the shoulder shrug part of that process with Jamal Agnew. Yeah, like there's there's a couple guys at the very top end of. I mean, we talked about Quez. He's four thousand bucks. Aguilar against the Chargers is four thousand. He just kind of shows up. I mean, whether he's on the end of a trick play for a touchdown, but they will take a few shots downfield. And if you do believe the spread in this game of minus five and a half, that the Chargers should be playing from ahead, meaning Mac Jones will have to pass more often than he normally does. But even. Amon Ross St. Brown, who had the big goose egg last week. Everyone's off that train, but now he gets Philly. Like you said, you can pass on Philly. Not that big of a deal. You can run on them, too. Those short routes. Van Jefferson. If Stafford's going to be taking shots, it's probably going to be to him or Deshaun Jackson. We've seen Van Jefferson prove himself, at least this year, to be a bit more reliable. $3,900. Now, these guys have big... That's that's why I go with Agnew, and maybe this isn't the way that you really want to play it in terms of a high upside GPP lineup that... He's very unlikely to score, but he's also probably the least likely of this bunch to leave you with a big zero in your lineup at the same time. Yeah, I still think I'm going for the upside guy when I go under. I'd much rather play Van Jefferson at 3,900. We've seen him be the guy downfield, as I mentioned, explosive passes against this Texas defense. They're definitely present. So 
you know, if I'm choosing between those two, I would want to go with the upside guy. You mentioned St. Brown. I think everyone's pretty much convinced that Khalif Raymond is probably the number one receiver here, although TJ Hawkinson and, and DeAndre Swift lead the team in target share. Um, but I find it hard to believe that our that St. Brown, you know, just kind of faded out of their plan in general because of one bad week. And I do think this is a week where the Lions will be deploying a relatively pass-heavy, you know, uh, scheme because that's worked against this Philadelphia defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if Raymond, you know, sees more targets, but I, I don't think he's the guy they're looking to in the red zone, which gives you the touchdown possibility and just an extreme bounce back after everyone's sick of this guy. It's funny that Khalif Raymond is $5,300 and looking directly below him. I mean, you can go up to Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders against Miami at 54 for $100 more. You can play Michael Pittman for the same or play T Higgins for $100 less. I, I like all three of those receivers this week. I mean, Khalif Freeman is fine, but I don't think he's on the level of those guys. No, and you didn't even mention Cole Beasley. He was like 300 cheaper than, than those guys. I mean, 67% of pass plays in the for the Bills last week or last game. That's the Bills I expect to see moving forward. I know they've committed a little bit more to the run, and Cole Beasley second on the team in target market share, down at 4,900. So you, you talk about, like, the Agnew on steroids. Like, Cole Beasley is the guy that you wish Jamal Agnew would be uh, because this team is so pass-heavy, and you know that Josh Allen in his ceiling games, and I don't see why facing Miami can't be one of those, is going to spread the football around, and there should be enough to sustain potentially up to three receivers. So – I would much rather mess around with Buffalo than play someone like Khalif Raymond coming off a 100-yard week. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. If Debo ends up missing this game, which I think is, I don't say a distinct possibility, but I'd say it's probably like 60, 40, 60, maybe 45, 55, 50, 50, that he just doesn't go against the Bears, I think everyone will automatically gravitate towards Brandon Ayuk, but Trent Sherfield's the one who's running routes in this offense. He's the one who's kind of taken the next behind Debo when we're looking at area yards down the field it's Trent Shearfield he's three thousand dollars do you think that would be trappy if Debo was out or people just wouldn't think to go to him I don't think people would think to go to him against the Bears I mean the Bears defense has been good enough that I think you can get there I mean I think I think that people realize that Brandon IU you know just got the I'm not upset with you I'm just disappointed from the coaching staff so maybe they'll want to go there. I think people would gravitate towards Ayuk before they gravitate towards Sherfield. And I think either of them have a chance this week. Again, I think this is a good week to pick on this Bears secondary. It's a low implied total simply because of the way that Jimmy's been playing. But if you're telling me that Jimmy's going to have all that time and not be able to sustain at least one receiver, I think you're probably crazy. So one of Ayuk and or Sherfield would be someone that I would be playing in a majority of lineups as the punt option. And because I think the quarterback's going to have time, I certainly would be fine as Sherfield as your, as your min price dandy. To go back to Josh Allen and the receivers for a second, Josh Allen in seven career games against Miami has thrown multiple touchdowns every single time. In the past three Miami games in Buffalo, the Bills have averaged 43 points against the Dolphins. Now, it might be completely spread out, but at the same time, maybe you get lucky and it gets super concentrated. Could you run like an Allen? I mean, you could. You can do whatever you want, I suppose. But Allen, Sanders, <laughs> Beasley. Go go at it that way and just hope it's not a game where Diggs goes off. Maybe Xavier Howard. Maybe they're just like, hey, Xavier Howard's on Stefan Diggs. Let's just not throw to Diggs. We'll throw to everyone else who's wide open. 
Yeah, I definitely think that's possible. I think Josh Allen is the kind of quarterback he's at. Like, obviously, he's got his number one receiver, but, you know, I think he's willing to throw to the open receiver. So you look at this Miami defense, by the way. Josh Allen's the only quarterback so far to have not posted a 93.4-plus quarterback rating against him. And the only other quarterback below uh, 96 was Trevor Lawrence so far. So I think Josh Allen is due for a monster bounce back here. And I think the pretty much the premise that you set up is reasonable that if Stefan Diggs is, is slowed down, I don't think against this Miami defense that slows the passing game down just because there's so many other options. And if targets do funnel elsewhere, all of a sudden, not only do you get yourself a cheap stack, but you can have like le- legitimate production from the other players and still spend money, you know, at other skill positions with Josh Allen, which is a tough thing to do and tough thing to talk yourself into because typically Josh Allen ceiling games do correlate with Stefan Diggs, but we've seen some big games from Emmanuel Sanders. There's been uh, games with multiple touchdowns already where he's kind of had to act as the number one guy. And this defense, would it shock me if that was the case again? Absolutely not. And no Dawson Knox to be a touchdown vulture. They might go to that other guy who I didn't know existed until the last Buffalo game. <laughs> now I completely forget his name again because Sweeney. So, yeah. Is it, it says Tyler Sweeney. Is that it? Uh, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy Sweeney. Sweeney. Tommy, Tommy boy. boy. Yeah, there we go. Tommy Sweeney, 2,900 bucks. I mean, is that, let's move to tight ends. Is that a viable option with no Dawson Knox or is that just the biggest outlier there was? <laughs> Uh, in this offense, I wouldn't rule anything out. And I really want to make like a Tommy, you know, can sell you anything sort of joke from Tommy boy, but 2,900, it's tough to talk yourself off. I do have an alternative who I like better, but I will acknowledge that I didn't really see anything else in this range. And if, you know, without Dawson Knox, I think that he's going to look to his tight ends in the red zone if he has to. So I, I think we could fall into a touchdown. I just happen to prefer Dan Arnold, who's been targeted 13 times in the past two weeks. And like I mentioned, this Atlanta pass rush, I don't think they're going to be getting after Sam Darnold as much. So I, I would prefer uh, to go, uh, excuse me, Dan Arnold um, of Jacksonville against this Seattle defense. Jesus, that was his old team. But um, I think that that Sweeney's as good as, as you're going to get below 3K. I happen to like Arnold's volume better. Uh, because I do think that Trevor Lawrence is going to throw the football around a lot, but you'll see that I kind of prefer to go up a little bit in terms of tier, and I just feel safer with that group. The only thing I would caution with Tarzan Dan Arnold, who I thoroughly enjoy, is that James, the Irish assassin, James O'Shaughnessy, may be activated from injured reserve for this game, who had been running a lot of the Arnold routes. Now, I think that Arnold is a better player, but as we've seen basically over the course of the past five years for the Jags, no matter who's coaching, no matter who's playing quarterback, James O'Shaughnessy just ends up on the field somehow. So that could take away from the overall routes that Arnold ends up running. And we're talking about Tommy Boy. It's just in the huddle near the goal line. Josh Allen tells him, it's like, listen, when you're looking at the end zone, you don't go here and you don't go here. You just line up right here and everything will be fine. And there's the play that leads to the touchdown <laughs> for Tommy boy. And you're good to go. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I can't argue with cheap tight ends because cheap tight ends again this year have done quite well. There have been some outlier weeks where, you know, Kyle Pitts 160 yards, but if you can kind of just get a touchdown and 20 yards from your tight end, you could kind of move on from the position. So I would never argue against anyone who thinks that they can get that sort of production for cheap. If you believe that's within the range of outcomes, play whoever your heart desires at tight end. Uh, when I'm just looking at it overall and looking at the expensive tight ends, I think you can make a very compelling case for a lot of them. We know that Pitts is on fire. Hawkinson, a good matchup against the Eagles in a pass-happy script. Gasicki with Tua just continues to do work. And if Parker sits again, which we don't know as of right now, that he's going to end up with like 7 to 10 targets in a game where they're going to be they're 14-point underdogs. They're going to have to be throwing. Goddard without Ertz looks great. Gronk is going to be back. He's been excellent this year. Higby in a Hunter Henry revenge game. That's all great. I just keep going back to Ricky Seals-Jones every single week. If we're talking about routes run per dropback for a team, Ricky Seals-Jones is the guy every single week until Logan Thomas comes back, and he's only 3800 bucks. Like, that seems to be the safest to me. Like, Uzma, as he's shown, has way more upside, but he also has absolutely no floor. At least with Ricky Seals-Jones, you know that he's going to get at least five targets, essentially, in every single game. And if McLaurin's a bit banged up, it could be way more this week against Denver. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, this is why I'd rather pay up a little bit more is because Ricky Seals-Jones, I feel much better about the target share. I don't love the game environment per se, but I think he just has to be involved. And if this Denver pass rush does get after Heineke, we see, you know, week after week, not not just McKissick, but Ricky Seals-Jones be kind of the other security blanket for Taylor Heineke. So I think with the dropbacks, if he if he ever feels the pressure, especially if McCorn's not there, uh, I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones, we could be talking about double-digit targets at below 4K on DraftKings. That's the reason that, you know, I'm kind of stuttering when we get to the, the, the guys who are cheaper because I really have to talk myself into a case. And here I, I see the clear case. Uh, another guy, by the way, in this range who played a lot of snaps last week that I don't think anyone's going to uh, kind of look to. I mean, this, this tight end situation for the Saints is kind of messy Ugh. because Juwan Johnson is the guy by, you know, by the goal line. But Adam Troutman playing a lot. So I think it's only a matter of time until he factors into kind of the fantasy conversation. But again, like you're talking yourself into guys and your your first instinct is probably ugh with anyone other than Ricky Seals Jones in this range. Uh, there is one other guy I do like in this range, and it's a far more risky, but Pat Fryermuth has essentially taken the juju role in this Steelers offense. It hasn't been Deontay. It hasn't been Chase Claypool. They've just done exactly what they've been doing all season long. And then all of a sudden, Fryermuth's just a big part of this offense in terms of the passing game. Now, they do ask him to block a lot because offensive line kind of trash. But when he runs a route, looking back to two weeks ago, um, and he played 61% of the Steelers' snaps uh, on 41 dropbacks, he ran a route on 20 of those dropbacks. That's not great. However... He did end up with an 18% target share of the Steelers' offense, and he was the most targeted receiver per route run of any tight end in football that week. So when he's running a route, they're actively looking for him. He patrols the line of scrimmage. They're not deep down the field, but that could be a very, I don't want to say an easy, like, 7 for 52 and potentially a touchdown. But I think that's what you could mine out of him this week, and I think you're only going to see his role expand as we go through. And if this is a catch-up game, at least according to the spread, 3.5-point dogs against Cleveland— he could end up with like seven to 10 targets in this game at 3,600 bucks. And I don't think that anyone's going to use him.
Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger's always loved his tight ends as well. Second most talented tight end in this draft. I mean, if you look to player profile, I always use this comparison because Hunter Henry has been having the monster weeks. Well, the the closest comparable to Pat Frymuth has been Hunter Henry in terms of his athletic profile. So if you're looking like, how do I gauge this guy? I think that gives you at least a little bit of an idea. And 3,600, I definitely do not. It's kind of a scenario where we've been waiting with Javante Williams, just at tight end, where how long till this guy completely overtakes the other guy who we know that he's better than. And this one's come quicker, strangely. I would never have guessed that. But yeah, seven of seven uh, targets he caught last week. If we continue to see him play that role because this wide receiver core is banged up, and I'm not sure you can count on those secondary guys like James Washington and Ray Ray McLeod to step up. And again, we've seen, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger for years just rely on his his trusty tight ends to the middle of the field. I think he's probably happy that one is emerging for him to find once again. I think, you know, he's got his back now and Najee Harris, who kind of resembles, you know, his Le'Veon Bell days. So we're probably getting back to, you know, Ben Roethlisberger just being flat out more comfortable in this offense. I know he's old. I know like the skills have depreciated, but we know where the volume typically goes in Ben Roethlisberger offenses. And I think they're all options this week. And because of their implied total under 20 points, anyone that you play is going to be different, probably other than Najee Harris. So the, the Steelers are a team that I'm looking to this week. There's so many totals that are approaching 30. And yet I find myself dabbling in these, in these tiny, you know, implied total offenses. And if you're going to do it, I always feel that the best way to do that is to go cheap in those games, unless you're going with an absolute superstar in a bad matchup, like we talked about earlier in Friermouth versus Ebron, at least in week six, the first like full game without Juju, think it was anyway week six uh, you know, <laughs> it happened two weeks ago it's completely out of my mind we're, yeah. we're in week eight now it's, it's tough to remember back but uh big pat fire mouth ended up with over three times as many routes per our targets per routes run than eric ebron and he's been playing more snaps than eric ebron so it seems like there's ebron's still gonna be a part of it it's just gonna be a very minor part as uh Fryermouth ends up taking a Bigger step forward in terms of this offense. Let's talk D's before we get to the shitter guy lineup this week. You mentioned Washington. I still don't hate Washington at twenty one hundred dollars. If you need to save money, go for no. it. It's it's not bad. Other than that, I like the Eagles D at twenty seven hundred dollars against the Lions. Um, the only thing that the Eagles still do okay, um, even when you look at their Pro Football Focus grades on pass rush right now. Uh, the Eagles are still inside the top 10 of pass rush, uh, just you know, one spot below the Rams and the Browns. They're still very good. The Lions offensive line is completely banged up and you got the goof playing quarterback. He'll give you the ball a few times. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, I think those are the two that I would go with unless I somehow played the cheapest stacks possible, found money to pay up. Then, you know, take, you know, I don't know if I necessarily trust the Bengals, but they feel like the casual person's pay up defense this week because they're only $3,600. Like the Niners at $3,500 is a defense that I actually may get to against fields. That seems too good to be true. And I don't think anyone's going to play them. Yeah. I mean, the case to be made for Cincinnati again is that this Jets team is kind of crazy with how many pass plays they call, despite the fact that the pass game not being overly effective. That's usually a victim of the game script. So at least, you know, there'll be dropbacks, but no one's been sacked more than Justin Fields. And we know that he like didn't even play a full game that first week. He has a QBR of 16.7 so far. It's pretty clear the guy just isn't ready. So I think you can lock and load a defense against him pretty much every week. 
Uh, you mentioned Philadelphia golf in eight to six touchdown to interception ratio so far. I mean, just not, not pretty. The guy doesn't do a whole lot uh, against you. So I think that's great. And I actually think there's a bunch of other cheap defenses that I would consider as well. If you're looking, you know, at the sacks ratio in Indianapolis, Ryan Tannehill, like they have a 25 point implied total, but he's second in the league in sacks. So, you know, even in games when you're facing him where he's scoring points, you do have the opportunity for the sack fumbles to pressure him, to have him throw the interceptions or just to have him hold on to the ball too long. So I definitely like that. And then you look at Seattle. I mentioned Geno Smith sacked five times back-to-back weeks. Uh, how about the Jacksonville defense against him just as a bet against Geno? If you can get the five sacks, it almost doesn't matter what you do besides that. And I mean, is this Seattle team going to drop 30 points on you with him at the helm? It certainly does not look like it. It certainly doesn't look like it with Alex Collins in the backfield. I know this Jacksonville defense is bad, but for me, like under 3K this week has a bunch of different options. Yeah, if you did want to go above 3K, I do think that the Bengals would be the chalky defense. Probably good to stay away from them and hope they don't score a defensive touchdown. Then you're good to go. And if you do play the Bengals defense, playing Joe Mixon with them might not be the craziest thing in the world if that's the way that you want to attack that game. Niners D, I kind of completely glossed over it, but Bills D, $3,300. That had, I mean, are people really going to play the Bengals D for more expensive over the Bills D against Tua in the cold in Buffalo? Yeah, I love this spot for the Bills D. I mean, Tua's riding high after back-to-back solid games, but those came against Jacksonville and Atlanta. This is not Jacksonville or Atlanta. Like, regression is definitely coming for Tua. He had a 40.6 quarterback rating before getting hurt in that first game against the Bills. So they were giving him all sorts of fits. Like you mentioned, they have to go to the Colts. So this is not his comfortable home environment against the juicy defense. Buffalo 3,300 definitely has my attention. I'm glad we mentioned them. I didn't want to get out this segment without mentioning them because I think people's feelings on Tua right now is, oh, he might be good. We're going to, we're going to have him regress back to the mean here. And, you know, he's probably going to be a more of a matchup based quarterback the rest of the year. Good on him that he succeeded against great defense or, uh, you know, great matchups. This defense is not Jacksonville Atlanta. And again, I think he's going to have a rough, rough Sunday. It's time. It's now time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's the shitter guy lineup. The play the best guy plays lineup. Your friend who wants to play DraftKings this week, Ricky, he has to take a shit. And it's 12.43 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So he's going to fill out a DraftKings lineup while he's on the can. Who is he going to take in that lineup this week? And I have a fun story. An emailer wrote in, uh, obviously, at the Pat Mayo Experience at gmail.com is where you can send your life advice questions or fun stories. Joe sent this in. He said, it's not life advice, but I saw the shitter lineup build in action and just had to pass it along. I was at a tailgate. All guys who watch the NFL every week play in multiple season-long leagues, and they play some small DFS on DraftKings each week. It's 20 minutes before kickoff, and they start building their lineups. Everyone makes one, and it goes in the big $3 tournament, some other random stuff. I make one and hand the phone back, and I start talking about how I played this guy with this stack and a bring back, and then another small correlation. I instantly knew that I was speaking a different language. The other lineup guy, host of the tailgate, plays Daily Fantasy every week and was, quote, I am playing all the fast guys looking for speed this week. That's it. That was his strategy. So you might be giving the shitter guy way too much credit every single week. The other two guys who built lineups had no correlation and played the hometown Bears and the guys that they had on their season-long team so they could double cash in. So that's what the shitter guy. That, that is the setup for the shitter guy and how we're picking this lineup, Ricky. 
So the theory is just to give, you know, quick insight and fill in a lineup quickly, just so I understand what I'm working with here. Yeah, we're, we're trying to basically pick like who are the most obvious plays that we can quickly fill a lineup with. Like who's being talked about this week? It's like, oh, I got to play that guy. I got to play that guy. Feel like shitter guys playing Cooper Cup 100% after what he's been doing. Ah, I see. So what's your average Joe who's just been listening to? I got it. Okay. Yes, I do think Cooper Cup is probably a shitter guy this week. Uh, Daryl Henderson, would you would you call him a shitter guy? Because they don't care about lack of correlation. Yes, shitter guy, Daryl Henderson, because I've got some legitimate alternatives that I think you could think through. But if you're not thinking 31 implied total running back, lock them in. So Daryl Henderson, the, the value play at $6,500. Who is the other core running back in this lineup, do you think? Do you think it's Jonathan Taylor? It's probably not DeAndre Swift. You know, I don't want a Lions running back. It's probably it's probably Jonathan Taylor, right? Or do you, I mean, it would be Derrick Henry, but that's probably too expensive. Yeah, Derrick Henry's probably too expensive. I've seen a lot of Austin Eckler love. You're just assuming that Bill Belichick's going to scheme out the first guy. So where's where's the volume going? But I think Jonathan Taylor probably fits the bill. A, a, a guy whose you know workload's been going up. So hey, look, he's ascending. He's got a good matchup. Let's throw him in there. All right. So Jonathan Taylor and Daryl Henderson are the running backs. There's there's a case to be made that Kenneth Gainwell could most definitely be in this lineup because he was the hot yeah. wa- he was the hot waiver wire pickup this week. You know what? Let's take Jonathan Taylor out. We'll put Gainwell in. In for the moment because uh, he's $5,000. That gives us a bit more flexibility. I think that Bengals D is probably the way that we go. Is the quarterback wide receiver combination Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? Is that going to be the most common one you think just after all the hype that they've gotten this week? I definitely think Jamar Chase is going to be one of the most popular. I'm not sure where people are going to fall on Burrow, probably because of how he performed in the second half. He was, they were still throwing. I think people will just feel like the Bengals are going to lay it on every week. So yeah, I, I don't think that's going to hurt because I know Jamar Chase will be up there. So obviously people playing Chase are going to correlate with Burrow. I, I, I can, I can agree with that. Uh, I don't know if we have enough money for Kyle Pitts here. So Kyle Pitts is $6,300. If it's not him, who is the tight end? Is it Gesicki? Would he be like the next like it, popular guy? Is Gesicki gonna be that popular in this matchup? Because if I, so, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Like tight end stuff. Like it's really the only guy that leaps out to me of like is Pitts. Like, but he's sixty three hundred. Well, what about what about Hunter Henry who just scores every week? Like, oh. let me just lock him in for another whole score. Revenge game too. Yes. Good narrative there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll throw in Hunter Henry. Uh, we need some savings here. We only have $3,500 left per player. We need another wide receiver, a flex, and a defense. So we need we need the cheap defense. Who's the who's the cheap defense we can play here? Colts D, like you said? Uh, aren't people going to play Washington just because it's 2,100 and I can just punt it and play everything else? There we are. Teddy looked bad in that Thursday night game. Got to play Washington defense, even though they've been crap. So we have 4,300 <laughs> remaining now. This might not work out here. We, we might have to take well, out either Chase or Cup because uh, we're, we're, we're running out of money. I don't know. Tyler Johnson seems to be that guy. He was that guy last week. It's like, look, Brady's without a receiver. Like he, They run a bunch of three receiver. I got him at minimum price last week. Let's try again at 3,100 in the dome this week. I think Tyler Johnson's like the the guy on the shitter punt that I'm not going to agree with, but I think a lot of people are going to play. You vastly overestimate shitter guy knowing who Tyler Johnson is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. So probably not him. You have to know who the player is before you put him in. Hmm. We might have to come down from. What Coop- about? Sh- go, go ahead. Hmm. 
I was just going to say, what about shitter guy saying Jacoby Myers has to score a touchdown at some point? We're playing two Patriots? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that could be the case, but 4300 bucks now is tough. I, I think we have to get rid of either Burrow and Chase or Cooper Cup. We might have to get rid of Cooper Cup here because he's just too expensive. Who would be the next wide receiver logically down that you could go to? Michael Pittman keeps doing well. Can we play Michael Pittman? Yeah, I think we can play Michael Pittman. Yeah, Michael Pittman had a good game and a primetime game that we saw. All right, so we'll throw him in. Now we have $6,100 left for a wide receiver and a flex. I feel like that works out a little bit better. So we've got 3 k a player? Uh, oh, you're saying an average of 6000 An average of $6,100. So we have $12,300 okay. left. And av- well, I feel like we have to play a Tampa receiver because, look, Antonio Brown's out and we're in the dome. Okay, so do you so think we, I, I think Evans caught three touchdowns last week, so it's probably Evans, although Godwin's cheaper, so then maybe that leans towards him. I think we go three touchdown guy. Like if he's catching three touchdowns there, what do you think he's going to do in a dome shitter guy? Okay, that that seems to be like the obvious narrative, uh, you know, rollover. Okay, so Mike Evans is in at seven thousand. We have fifty three hundred dollars left for a flex. And don't worry about the late swap playing the late guy. Chitter guy's not thinking about it. They didn't even know what that is, so wouldn't worry about that. Um, wow, we've got options here. I think T. Higgins is going to be popular this week. It's like, you know, just, to, okay, he's a guy I could slide in there. But there are some other guys. Khalif Raymond was the, was the number one receiver last week. Alex Collins is a top back. Javante Williams has got to ascend at some point. So there's a lot of Shit, guys. Shitter guy, shitter guy doesn't know who the fuck these people are. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Khalif Raymond, come on. Um, I think shitter guy should be on T. Higgins then. There we are. Trip to the, there's the move. Triple stack with Burrow, Chase, and T. Higgins. Didn't even try to do exactly. it, and we got there anyway. So that's the lineup. Exactly. Burrow, Daryl Henderson, Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Pittman, Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, Hunter Henry, T. Higgins, and the Washington football team as the defense this week. That is the shitter guy lineup. And shitter guy is putting that in the giant $3 on DraftKings where shitter guy enters most of his lineup. So that's the move. Ricky Sanders, where can people check out your content this week? Uh, at R Sanders DFS on Twitter, at Elite Fantasy HQ on Twitter, uh, www.elitefantasy. I have been doing every sport. I mean, yesterday I did NFL prep, I did postseason baseball, I did the NBA projections, and of course I've got the NFT thing going on. So this has been uh, when you know tax people, when when accountants tell me now about their busy season. I'm going to reminisce about the busy season of 2021 for me because I've never had a season like this, but you can just assure that I'll be cranking out content for some sport every single day if you follow me on Twitter. Well, uh, if you're in like the Discord or the Slack or whatever, can you give Siege some shit for me? I haven't talked to Siege in a while. and He deserves to be given shit, so give him some shit. Oh, I'm... I yell at him every Sunday. Don't worry about it. Well, more more so he yells at me and I just sit there with my, you know, rolling my eyes. That's just kind of how it works with him, but... uh Hey, we love them. All right. Our Sanders DFS on Twitter. You can follow me at the PME, play in the PME. DraftKings Listeners League, link down in the description. Sub to the newsletter, smash the like, and sub to the network while you're at it. Rate and review the audio podcast. If that's something you're into, 
We'd appreciate it. And runthesims.com, the site built on 10,000 simulations of every game, every slate, has the optimizer, has all the betting tools. You should go check it out right now. If you use code RTS for the monthly package, you'll get 25% off a good test drive if you want to check out the optimizer. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.